This is Parenting for the Everyday. I'm Becca Alvarez. And I'm Holly Dyke Andrew. We are two moms currently down in the trenches of parenthood. We want to create a community of support and encouragement as we set out to find the answers to the parenting questions that everyone is asking. From the easy stuff to the hard stuff, we want to talk about it all. Hello and welcome. Today's topic is those middle moments of parenting. And in studio, we have Jimmy and Emily Cozy. Jimmy and Emily, tell us who you are, what you do, and about your family. Uh, well, I'm Jimmy. Um, I work at the church. So my job at CCC is I'm the director of operations, which basically means that I do a lot of things that happen behind the scenes. Uh, and I'm married to Emily, who's here with us. So Hi. We have four children. Uh, Hollis is aged eight. Elliot is aged six. And then we have three-year-old twins, James and Elena. It sounds super quiet in your house. It is. is it it's so quiet? All the time. You can hear a pin all drop. All the time. Yeah. A lot, everybody sleeps all the time. Nothing happens. It's very quiet. Well, it's interesting. I feel like a lot of times when we think of parenting, we start with like the newborn phase, which is like super intense. I'm and good then... on the newborn phase. We don't have to talk <laughs> about done. that today. We're good. <laughs> and then also you've got like those teenage years, which are dreaded. And, and those are where a lot of the focus happens. But there's these big, long middle moments in between. And so just kind of talking through that today. Um, so how would you describe your current season of parenting and of life? Give us like a word. I think the word that we most uh, identified was full. Right now, things are really full. The babies at three and a half, they will, I, will, the I will always call them my babies. babies. Yeah. So they're three and a half, but they still need a whole lot from us. They want to do things independently, but most days they just actively try to die every moment of every day. <laughs> Um, so then we have our six-year-old and so our six-year-old and eight-year-old are in school. And so they have the rhythm of the school day, but then on the days that they're not at school, they sometimes struggle to reacclimate with the day-to-day here at home where there might be less structure or where the, um, little ones might mess up their plans, their, their major plans that they have, um, for their days at home. So I think our time is full and, we really do love being parents to the four of the kids, to four, to our four kids. Yeah, all four, are you sure? <laughs> um, but it's it's a season of physical exhaustion too, where we don't sleep much, we don't get to do things necessarily that we want to do, and um, they are transitioning into that time when they need us more emotionally too. With Hollis being eight and then second grade and dealing with friends and relationship struggles, so I think um, we're kind of being pulled in both ways, both physically and emotionally tired at this point. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, we have a lot going on at home. Uh, the, the kids are, as Emily described, uh, it's full contact parenting most days. Um, and you know, at the same time we have all the other obligations that a lot of families have. We have work, we have family that lives nearby that, you know, we, we need to uh, care for. We have, uh, all kinds of things to to deal with on top of the fact that we have four kids under the age of nine. So full is a good descriptor, I think. I like full as a descriptor because it's also not necessarily positive nor negative. Yeah. And I think it's easy to add. I was so anticipating chaos as the word. Um, gotcha. But I think that there can be a negative connotation to that. And so I think that I'm a big advocate for language really matters. And I like that that language was pretty neutral. Yeah, I mean chaos maybe maybe could be our life sometimes, but we really when we say full it isn't a negative thing. Yeah. It's just our stage of life because uh anybody who has that many kids that young knows that you just 
you know, for, for me at least, a typical day looks like I'm up pretty early because I want to work out and that's the only time it's going to happen. And then it's immediately from there, I'm making lunches, making breakfasts, getting kids out the door with Emily and, and then I'm getting cleaned up. I'm at work. Then I get home from work and it's like dinner, bedtime, so on. And then it's like at the end of the day, it's where did all that time go? I don't know. But it's not necessarily bad. Yeah. It, we love every part of it, but it is full. It is full. So as you guys have described, parenting can be really all-consuming. Kids are needy. They have different challenges. You talked about physical needs, emotional needs. And it's real easy for that to then become an identity because it's just consuming. So what would be the danger of being a parent, especially to a lot of children, becoming the identity yeah, I mean, I think identity is one of those things that's kind of sneaky, and that's what's difficult about it is, you know, I wish we had uh, like a check engine light to let us know when something was creeping into- I think about that into, all the time, yeah, like yeah. Way, pro- way more often than I should. Because everybody always, we always talk in churches about like, hey, you should make sure your identity is in Jesus and not in some, not, not, in, not in something else. It's like, well, if it was that simple, nobody would have a problem with it, you know? So I think- uh, with parenting, that's that's difficult because it just takes up so much of your time when kids are this age. And I'm sure it's, I, you know, I don't, we don't have experience parenting teenagers and beyond, but it's just as hard. I, I can't imagine it's much different, maybe different in the challenges you face, but not in the emotional and spiritual investment that it takes. And so uh, there definitely is danger in that, though, because mm-hmm. uh, at the end of the day, um, kids, are, you know, as a parent, we are called to disciple our kids and point them to Jesus. But they are sinners and flawed, just like any other person is. And so, you know, we we have to be careful not to live and die by their success or failure in a lot of different ways. Yeah, and I think the way that you can know whether or not your identity is being taken over by your kids is to see how your heart feels when they mess up, when they fail, or when they act outside of your expectations. Um, I think that I, I can feel when my heart sinks and I just feel guilt or shame or despair and it rocks my true identity, my person. And then that's my check when I can see that happening. And then I think, oh man, I don't have my identity in God right now. My identity is in my kids and their performance and how they're doing. And I think that down the line, that can be so unfair for your kids because you're asking them to do something that they were never meant to do. The only person that can carry our identities is Jesus. So I just think um, as a marker for myself, I have to watch when, you know, they're, they're going to fail me. They're human, like Jimmy said. And um, I just can't act, I can't look to them to create my identity. It can only be in Jesus. Another thing I'd add there is just to, the one way I think about this is through investment levels. And what I mean by that is, you know, uh, I, along with my job at CCC, I coach uh, a couple of sports at Hudson Middle School, and I've been doing that for uh, like 11 years now. And so I've interacted with a lot of parents uh, and their their sons specifically. And this is something I've seen, I've, I've seen play out a lot. But one thing I would challenge parents on, especially Christian parents, is to uh, look at the level of investment that you make in other parts of your kid's life, whether it's their success athletically, artistically, academically, or you can go down the line and see if that matches the level of investment that you place in their growth and walk with the Lord. Because I think that can be really telling, you know, because at some point, uh, if maybe if you consider you might have to choose between your son being a Division One athlete or growing up to love and follow Jesus. And if you had to choose, 
one way to tell that your identity is maybe in a little bit different place than it should be is if you are so laser focused on success in one particular area, whatever it may be, that it's actually coming at the cost of investing in your kids spiritually and helping them to putting them in a position to grow as followers of Jesus, which really at, at the core is our number one calling and challenge as parents before anything else is to disciple our kids and point them to Jesus. Yeah, that's kind of the a really good segue kind of into the next loaded topic. You mentioned, you know, you get up, you work out, you're making lunches, you're out the door. Um, I mean, apart from the fact that you're going to work at a church, and you know, maybe people listening to this are not, it doesn't feel like kingdom work, right? It feels like, um, you know, what bandaging skin knees and I'm putting everyone to bed and I'm, you know, making groceries and doing all these things. Yeah. This checklist on and on and on. And it's all consuming. It's full. How do you relate that to doing kingdom work and partnering in that? Yeah. I think our discipleship of our kids is our most important kingdom work. So we have all day with our kids and it's really up to us about where we point their eyes, right? So if we're outside, we're playing, we can look at God's creation and we can say, hey, God made that. Did you know that? And God's here with us. And when they do fall and skin their knees and you need to get the Band-Aid, like our first our first call can be on the Lord. We can say, hey, can we pray real quick for this skin knee or for that ambulance as it's driving by? We have so many opportunities as parents to point out to our kids where God is and what it looks like to be loved by Him. So I think that uh, it's up to us probably to focus our eyes on Christ first, and that will help us to focus their hearts and their eyes toward Jesus also. Um, but I think anything can be kingdom work. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Is it, it's all kingdom work. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think we uh, when it, it, it can be easy to think about parenting your kids and pointing them to Jesus as these kind of you know, the big mountaintop conversations and moments. But the fact of the matter is you spend so much time together in so many uh, what can feel like mundane, inane things. And But the fact of the matter is it, it is all kingdom work because at every moment they're watching, they're observing, they're seeing, are you for real? And you say you're a follower of Jesus, you love the Lord. Is, is that... Uh, that that really the way it is, and uh, Emily, should, you know, sent this to me uh, just a couple of minutes ago. But we have this book at home called Every Moment Holy, uh, which has a bunch of different like prayers and that kind of thing. Which uh, I think I forget who got it for us. Maybe well, it doesn't matter. Um, but there's one in there that I remember the first time I read this. Uh, I'm not a very emotional person. This one actually made me tear up a little bit. Uh, but just kind of about this this subject, it says. So take this unremarkable act of necessary service, O Christ, and in your economy, let it be multiplied into that greater outworking of worship and faith, a true investment in the incremental advance of your kingdom across generations. Open my eyes that I might see this act for what it is from the fixed vantage of eternity, O Lord, how the changing of a diaper might sit upstream from the changing of a heart, how the changing of a heart might sit upstream from the changing of the world. And like that, you know, when I think about what we do day in and day out, like I just changed my son's diaper this morning. And, mm-hmm. you know, that that's, you know, it doesn't feel like discipleship to care and love for, care for and love a child like that. But every all of it's kingdom work, every bit from the laying in bed at night, singing silly songs to 
you know, reading Bible stories at the dinner table, whatever it is, it is kingdom work. It absolutely is. It's the highest calling we have as parents. It changes your perspective. When that's your perspective, it just changes the way that you flow out and the way you parent and approach those what would feel like mundane tasks. All of a sudden, you can approach them differently. Yeah, and even in that quote, that was beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Um, but it talks so much about sacrifice, and so much of parenting is sacrifice over and over again. And personally, I feel like when I am in a season of sacrifice and so much of my energy goes towards someone else and I need something for me, maybe that first grab isn't a devotion or a church service or something like that. So if that starts to be neglected, then so so much comes off the rails. But if you are a parent in that season, how do you kind of encourage yourself to take that step into a devotion, you know, into the spirituality that you know is probably good for you, but it's just not what you want to do after a long day. Sure. I think sometimes you have to change your perspective or your expectations for yourself. And first off, realize that God has no expectations on you. He's not disappointed with you because you had a busy day. Like He sees you in your busy day. He knows exactly what you've gone through. And just take off some of those expectations of what that Maybe you used to do a hour-long quiet time or something like that, and that's just not a reality right now. And that can look, you know, worshiping God throughout your day can look differently uh, than doing that hour-long quiet time or whatever that might have been. So, um, first of all, just recognizing that God doesn't need anything from you. He wants to partner with you. He wants to walk with you as you do this life and as you parent these children, um, and that remember that you're chosen and that despite the season of busyness or whatever that you're in, that God loves you so much and that you're not alone in that season. Um, I think for me, I used to have expectations of what it would look like to be righteous or holy or doing the right spiritual disciplines, um, but I had to change my focus on that. And so for me, uh, sometimes it might be... um, doing a Bible study at church and keeping myself accountable and making sure that I'm in the Word and I'm making sure that I'm praying and making sure that I'm, you know, doing my spiritual disciplines. But sometimes it's what I listen to in the, when I drive, when I wash dishes, when I clean the house. Like, is it a podcast that points to Jesus? Is it music that po- points my heart to Jesus? Or is it not helpful. So kind of using my time and whatever, I'm going to call it quote unquote free time you might have, like it might be folding laundry, but what is your heart focusing on at that point? So use those those moments when your hands are busy, but your ears might be idle to be focused on Jesus. Yeah. I mean, I would say a couple of things with this. Uh, number one, I think Emily alluded to this. I think it's a good thing to say that uh, we have to be careful about uh, creating guilt around I don't envision that that's how God wants us to view our relationship with Him, where it's uh, a situation where, you know, we are doing our quote-unquote quiet time out of a sense of rote guilt or or beauty. I don't think that, you know, that's not a, that's not, I don't envision it working that way. But uh, this is also where I feel like, you know, as parents, I would really encourage any, you know, parents to engage in the life of the church. You know, the Lord gave us the church for a reason, and one of the biggest things that we have is community there. You know, uh, so if if nothing else, what I would say to this question is: make sure that your family's at worship 
on the weekends. You know, there's ex- in- incredible power in that, especially, you know, one of the things that uh, I love about it, I know I'm kind of on my shtick here, but, you know, I, I do work at CCC, <laughs> so I got to do what I got to do. Uh, but like, you know, even to the point where now we have uh, it set up so that whatever the adults are engaging with from a sermon topic, the kids are also uh, doing something similar. And so there's just such a great opportunity there for, even if it doesn't look like, oh, I got up this morning at 4 a.m. and I prayed for an hour and then I journaled and it was this, you know, unbelievable time with the Lord. There's, there is engagement with God's word worship, but then also just doing the things that come with, with engagement in the life of the church, whether it's being in a Bible study, being in a circle, uh, serving even at, as a family or as individuals. I think those are things that I would highly encourage. And actually, even if you tie it back to that question we had earlier about identity, one of the best ways uh, to keep yourself in check in terms of identity is to live in community with other Christians, because they're going to be able to see and tell you when, hey, it seems like you're a little bit too focused on this or that, and and something seems to be awry. Are you okay? Can we can we help you with that? And I just think that's so important because uh, parenting in certain phases, especially the one that we're in, it can be isolating, both individually and as a couple, where you feel like you know, at the end of the day, we have so little time to do whatever it is that we would maybe choose to do if we had nothing but time. Uh, but I think that, you know, uh, engaging in the life of the church can be such a life giving. I know it has been for us, being a part of a circle and, and Emily leading and being involved in Bible studies has been such a good thing, both for, you know, emotional reasons, also spiritually, though. So that's what I would say is get, that's why the church is here. That's why the Lord gave it to us to have that community. And Jimmy, to your point, um, we're notoriously bad at knowing how we're doing, or at least being the first people that know how we're doing. And so I think having that community of people that know you and love you and can check in on you and probably see some things that are happening inside of you before you're really recognizing them. Yeah. Even so, talk to us about how you know your capacity. So we mentioned a lot of good things, getting in a circle, serving, going to church, getting in a Bible study. Um, When you have a bunch of kids and they have sports, like at some point there isn't room for all of it. And so how do you filter through uh, what stays and what doesn't stay? Yeah, I have a couple things I would want to – well, uh, it's funny. I was having a conversation with one of our our staff members uh, earlier this week who has a couple of young kids, and he was saying – we just sat next to each other at lunch, and he said something like – uh, I feel exhausted, but I'm also coming to the realization that there's not a time coming where I won't feel exhausting. And I was like, yeah, I wish I had you know, a better answer for you, but welcome to parenting young kids. That's just your life now. Uh, but that is how, sometimes how it can feel. Uh, but I think one of the things that I would say is uh, your capacity is probably bigger than you think. Um, I've never met a parent of one who doesn't feel like they're at their limit. But then they have another one, and guess what? Your limit wasn't where you thought it was. And then you have another one, and guess what? Your limit wasn't where you thought it was. So I think the Lord provides for us what we need to do the things that He, you know, He. If if the Lord gives you three kids, then you're you're probably capable of raising three kids, uh, whether you like it or not. So uh, then the other thing, you know, uh, it's interesting. God used one of the people at our church in my life in a pretty major way in this just in the last couple of months. Uh, there was a point a, a couple of months back where, you know, so like I mentioned before, I coach uh, in the middle school and, and a different coaching opportunity had come on the table that would have required uh, maybe a higher level of investment and in time. And so I went to this this person and just kind of asked him, hey, what do you think? And he 
it was like one of those uh, ordained moments that you never expect where somebody who you don't expect to say says something that just kind of hits you right in the face. And he was like, uh, yeah, as you think about this, you need to ask yourself a couple of questions. If I do this, if I pursue this, is it going to make me a better husband? Is it going to make me a better father? Is it going to make me a better pastor? Is it going to make me a better friend? And if you can answer yes to those questions, then, hey, go for it. It seems like the right thing, but you need to make sure that what you're signing yourself up for is going to actually be a good thing for not just you, but for your family, for your church, for your your primary responsibilities. And, and I think all of us have those things in our life that are uh, the things that we know the Lord has given us the responsibility to do. You know, I know the Lord has given me the responsibility to be a husband. Emily and I got married 12 years ago, almost 13 now. I'm committed to that. I know the Lord has given me a responsibility to be a father. We have four children. All right, that's it. I, I have a responsibility to those things. I know the Lord's called me to be a pastor at this church. And so uh, that's got to be the first grid for a decision like that in terms of capacity to say, okay, in terms of what I've already know the Lord has committed me to, is this going to impinge upon my ability to do those to do those things? That's kind of how I would think about that when it comes to capacity. Yeah, we want to model that for our kids too, right? So we have to teach our kids to put those healthy boundaries on their lives where it's not a yes to everything, even really good things. Sometimes it has to be no because it would sacrifice something that God has asked you to do. And it might not be a no forever. It might be a no, not now. And that can be okay too. We can trust God in that to be able to show us what we can do for now. And that that term for now has been something that's been helping me shape my uh, view on things because it's like we said before, okay, I don't sleep through the night for now, right? but there will be a time when I do. And I, you know, don't have all my kids potty drained for now. I don't often have someone without a wet bed for now, but you know, like this is the season that we're in. And again, like we are not left alone here. So I'm really grateful that God is walking alongside with us. Like Jimmy said, we have the church and we have so many like great resources at church that can come alongside and help, and help too. So Yeah, I think this is an area even for uh, people who are career-oriented. Um, it can be really tempting, especially the way that our culture frames career advancement, to always say yes when there's an opportunity on the table. But I really would challenge you. You know, I, I would just heard one of our, a friend of mine tell his story the other day about how he took advancement in his career and it almost cost him his family. And I just think, you know, uh, that that's so important to filter opportunities through the grid of the things that the Lord has already given you to be responsible for. And so um, if, if you are somebody who's career oriented and that promotion's on the table, that advancement opportunity's on the table, it might be a good thing, but but maybe it's it's not if it's going to come at the cost of your ability to engage spiritually and emotionally with your kids or with your spouse or uh, to, to participate in the life of your church because that's something that the Lord has called us to as well. So I just think that that's something we have to take into consideration when we think about our capacity. Yes, might be the answer we always want to say, but it may not be the best answer depending on what the Lord's already got going on in your life. I think in these days of fullness and of just a lot of things going on and a lot of responsibility that you have with your children. It's easy to get lost in the difficulty of all of it and lose some of those really good, memorable, great moments. What are some practical tips that you guys do to kind of cling on to the good, memorable, even funny moments that you have and not get lost in just the difficulty of the day-to-day? 
Uh, well, one thing we do that's really simple, and I think we stole this from somebody else, but uh, every night at dinner, we go around the table and we say highs and lows. Uh, so James and Elena are three. They're not quite, I don't even know if they quite understand the concept yet, because James will say something for his high that sounds really good, but then he'll say something else for his low. It'll be like his low is... Uh, I got to go to the park with daddy today. And I'm like, wow, that was the worst <laughs> part of your day. But how many, there are so many times where that is just, a, you know, it helps Emily and I yeah. to get a feel for where are the kids at, where are our older kids at? Cause the older kids obviously know what's going on and are able to articulate. This was great about my day. This was hard about my day. That's a really simple thing that, that we do in order to stay connected practically. I think, uh, we, we are a pretty routine household. Um, and I think some of that is because that's just my personality. I would guess that if I, that, that Emily would, would maybe not be so firm on the routines as I would, because she has a creativity and a free spirit that, uh, is different than mine. Um, but like, you know, we have dinner together almost every night unless, you know, there's some major obstacle to that. And we have a bedtime routine that involves, you know, a lot of laying in beds and kids, you know, I feel like three-year-olds have like seven elbows in those <laughs> scenarios. But um, some of that just – and one of the things that uh, – I just uh, kind of uh, puff my wife up a little bit here. But she is uh, just really brilliant about being available for the conversation. Because with a kid, you just don't know when those conversations are coming. It'll be like we're sitting in – all I want is to be done. You know, it's the end of the day. I'm tired. I'm like, Get kid, out. please yep. just go to sleep. I'm going to go downstairs <laughs> and then I'm going to go to bed. And uh, – but it'll be like right at that moment is when one of the kids, you know, asks about the friend whose grandma died at school and what happened to her and is she with Jesus? And it's like one of the things I love about Emily is she is never shy about those conversations, even if it means we're in that room an extra 45 minutes, you know, answering a thousand questions about what happens when somebody dies and how do I, you know, how do I know that that I'm going to be with Jesus and so on and so forth. Like, uh, I don't even know if I'm answering the same question we started at this point. I just started talking, so I should No, stop. it's all good stuff. Keep going. Thanks. Uh, like he said, he probably is more routine than I am. Like when he is away, we will go to a waterfall for dinner or we will- I'm not into that. <laughs> I love waterfalls, but dinners not and waterfall dinner. together, we I don't pack, understand that. We will pack a dinner. A we will go out for ice cream. We will, you I know- like ice cream. We're, I don't know. We just- uh, we do um, a little bit more fluid when Jimmy is not involved, only because he really does value orderliness and he likes the structure of of the routine. And that actually helps me on a, a lot of levels because if we did everything my way, like nothing would ever get done. But um, as far as holding on to the good memories and looking for the good, I think, Holly, you, you model this really well with your family. It's just being willing to, willing to say yes sometimes and willing to let the laundry sit and the dishes sit and whatever it might be that, you know, you need to do at some point. But the time that we have with our kids is finite. And these years, like, you know, you always hear this, like that the hours are long, but the years are short. And um, we want to hold on to those memories with our little ones for as long as we can. So yeah, take good pictures, take pictures often. I have a friend who says that all the time. Um, just love them well for who they are at this season and don't wish it away. Um, but again, like there's no secret to getting through this time. Like this is just, it is a full time and it can be taxing and 
Um, I guess if there was a secret, we'd probably already know it. But I guess loving them well the during this time. Just I survive guess. today. <laughs> yeah, that's the secret. Survive <laughs> today. In one of my seasons of intensity and fullness, uh, my mom gave me a little, uh, just a little paper, and it goes, it, it's framed, but it just says, "This is not a throwaway season." Mm-hmm. And so, just this notion of like, this, there's intentionality here, and there's something for uh, that God wants you to learn and to to move into. And so that has stuck with me too. Um, okay, switching gears a little bit. Um, how, like marriage is obviously such a crucial part to being a successful um, parent with a full season. How do you guys stay connected uh, and keep that marriage healthy and thriving in order to be uh, healthy parents? Well, we go on podcasts together. <laughs> is this a date? Is this, yeah, come on this date well, We have you. a sitter, so. <laughs> uh, that's a good question. Um, I think it just looks different for us in this stage of life than it did like when we were dating and or when we didn't have children running around the house. Um, I think uh, we were talking about this last night when we were talking about being on this podcast. I think the number one thing that I would say is that uh, you have to be ready to willingly extend grace because uh, you just don't have time to hold a grudge, to be in discord. It's just... Most of the time, whatever it is that is uh, frustrating is probably not worth it. So I think that's been, for me, I think one of the biggest things that's most important is just, um, you know, not belaboring the point, but just there has to be a lot of grace involved for each other because it is not, you know, it's not necessarily easy to go through life. And then, you know, like when you have kids this age and, and life is full, if you have a conflict, it might be eight hours before you actually have a chance to sit down and talk about it. And then by the time you get there, it's like so many things have happened that what you actually forget about? what we yeah. were originally frustrated about in the first place. And that's what I, it's like. So Grace would say, okay, we're just going to, we love each other. We're going to believe the best about each other. If we can't remember what it was we were arguing about, then it probably isn't worth bringing up again. We're just going to uh, move forward. So that's one thing. Mm-hmm. What would you add? I think that you've done a very good job of out-serving me. And I think there's going to be seasons when I can out-serve you better than you. You know, like it's not a competition, but I think that at some point you have to um, take over and you realize that the other person is down and that you need to step up. And Jimmy does a really good job of helping. Like there's no domestic responsibility that he feels like is a only my job or only his job. Like he will pitch in and help with anything. He will cook our dinners. He will help with the kids. He will, it's, it's, it's like, he's just an extension of me and that, and we've had to talk about a lot of things. Like, um, I think you can help your, if you don't have a, um, a partner that does this naturally, I think that that can be a conversation like, Hey, let's talk about how we can better help each other. And so that, you can allow your husband to help you. I know a lot of people fight about how to load the dishwasher or something silly like that. Like just let him load the dishwasher, you know, and don't get upset about how he did what he was trying to do. But if you have something that you want to help him learn how to help you better on, like do it. Recognize that um, we all need help. Mm -hmm. It's not easy having little kids. They undo everything that you try to do. So you just need help. And I I think that Jimmy's done a great job of stepping up and helping me. Like, 
I usually am up with the kids throughout the night pretty regularly, but then in the morning after he works out, he takes the kids. So I have like a half hour of just peace before I come downstairs. And he is during that time, he's making them a hot breakfast and he's making their lunches and he's getting them sort of sorted out for the day. And then I can come in and I can help them get out the door. So I think it's been uh, really good for us to have um, teamwork. And it's kind of like that trenches mentality. Like he said, like, keep short accounts, give abundant grace and no scorekeeping, no scorekeeping. Yep. And then check in often if something seems off ask about it and follow up and make sure that things are okay because you need your teammate. Um, I, I feel for single parents that might be listening. Um, I think that if you are, um, if you have two parents, then um, keep an eye on your single friends or single parent friends that might be trying to do this all by themselves. Um, one of my best friends is a single parent and she just talks about how she would love help. And um, that's some way that I can help her, you know, and people that have two parent homes um, can definitely look in on on their friends. And that can be a way that the church comes around people who are trying to struggling through parenting. Yeah. I mean, I'm just going to go back to the part where you're making a hot breakfast every morning. Yeah. Can I drop my kids off? Is that like an open door? I don't have that much food. (laughs) Just checking. Make lots of pancakes. So many pancakes. I'm impressed. I mean, but I, yeah, I think I, I, we also, you know, uh, dating your spouse looks different when you are in the, this kind of a life stage. So we don't have a lot of, hey, we're going to go out to dinner, but we do have a lot of nights where it's like we're going to, uh, I'm going to run out and grab takeout and we're going to sit and watch a show or we're just going to talk. Uh, it does look different. So we do work to try to cut out some intentional time to be with each other. But even that can be, you know, sometimes it's difficult because kids get out of bed a thousand times. So uh, we, you know, we were eating take out, but we have eight conversations with kids telling them to go back to bed, please. I I already put you in bed once. I don't understand why I'm putting you in bed again if you were already there. Uh, So I think that's important to make sure that you spend time together. The other thing that I feel like uh, the Lord has been working on in me is uh, just learning to uh, give love to your partner in the way that they receive it. Because I think we all have a tendency to try to love others in the way that we prefer to be loved, which... Uh, I think that's just our natural inclination because that's how we understand affection. But, uh, you know, I think that that uh, for Emily, one of the things that she most feels loved by, you know, we had a conversation about this maybe three weeks ago. Uh, she was just like, look, I feel loved when you make eye contact with me. Full stop. And it's like, okay, that means that when, locked I, in. when you come down the stairs after we get all the kids in bed, uh, I'm not going to have, you know, if we're good, if we're talking, I'm going to put my phone aside. I'm not going to have my iPad nearby. Like I will actually try to turn and face the same direction as you and make up just, even if we're talking about something silly, like, you know, so that's just an example of like, uh, in, in the moments where your life is full, uh, you may not be able to say, Hey, we're going to go on a two week trip to the Caymans and it's going to be great and so romantic. And, but you know, the fact we? of the matter is, I mean, maybe we will. I don't know. Maybe some, some wealthy benefactor listening to this podcast will reach out and offer the services necessary to make something like that happen. I don't know. The Lord can do anything, but 
you know, it, it just looks different, but I think, you know, figuring out how the, the best, how your partner receives love rather than trying to continue to, I think that was something that early on in our marriage um, probably was a point of tension where we were just missing each other because I felt like I was doing the right things. But in reality, what I was doing was what I would want her to do for me, not what she would want me to do for her. And so it caused miscommunication. But I think that's, that's, that's a good conversation. If you're parents who are in the thick of it with young kids right now, you should sit down. I think what we did actually was we made, I said, we made a list of like, tell me five ways that you feel loved. Like things that I do could be little things, big things. And that was a really good starting point for us where it's like, okay, I can make eye contact. I can make you coffee in the morning. That's easy. I can do that. You know, stuff like that. So it's the asking though. Like you took the time to say, like, how could I, mm-hmm. you know, make you feel loved? And then you being able to to answer that. It's like both of those working together. It's such a common misstep that happens, especially early in parenting or with young kids. So that's a great practical tip. As we begin to wrap up, for those parents that are in the season of fullness, in the season of trenches, what do you want them to hear from this episode? <laughs> uh, I would just say uh, that it's, it's worth it. Um, you know, I'm not, a, I can't say this as somebody who's on the back end with kids who have, you know, grown up and moved on and everything went well, but I, I can say that, uh, that there's just really deep joy in, uh, discipling kids and pointing them to Jesus. And if you're a parent, uh, the Lord has given that, that kid to you. That's the only reason that kid exists is because the Lord gave them to you, provided them to you. Um, and you have a responsibility and a high and deep calling to point them to Jesus. So, you know, in the thick of uh, the, the stages where they're a little bit younger, maybe they're not babies, but they're not teenagers, whether it's, you know, all of the emotional changes that come during that time that lead to big feelings or just the, the pressure of like everything's always messy all the time and life is heavy and all that sort of thing. It is worth it. It is absolutely worth it. That's what I would want them to hear. Yeah, I think I just, as a mom, as a stay-at-home mom, knowing that I'm not alone. I'm not alone because God sees me where I am, and God has put me where I am. And then there's people around me that can help. That's a big help. And then um, just remember that you do need God, but sometimes you also need like a nap and a snack. And sometimes, I would take both of those things right now, actually. <laughs> sometimes God um, wants that for you, too. So take, take the nap, take the snack, um, because, again, this, this time with your kids is precious, and it is worth it, um, but it's also a lot, so to prioritize that as well. Thanks, guys. Uh, Jimmy and Emily, we're so appreciative of your time and just your realness and the season of life that you're in and letting us enter into that with you. This has been Parenting for the Everyday. Tune in next time.